This is AJ Bingham, CEO of The Bingham Group. I want to give a personal thank you to the Lowy Law Firm for their podcast sponsorship. The Lowy Law Firm is the premier personal injury law firm in Austin, having recovered tens of millions of dollars for their clients since 2005. Now on with the show. Welcome to the BG Podcast, conversations at the intersection of business, community, and public policy from the Austin metro and around Texas. Today's episode is brought to you by the Lowy Law Firm, delivering top-notch customer service in the Austin area. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com podcast and on iTunes and Google Play. Hello, this is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group. Our guest today is John Lawler with the Keep Austin Affordable Coalition. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you, AJ. Today, we're going to be talking about your group's uh, effort around Proposition A, which is the affordability bond for Austin. It's a $250 million um, bond that has a lot in it, and I want that's why you're on the show to kind of unpack what's involved with that bond, and um, yeah, we take it from there. So just tell, the, tell us a little about, about yourself and how you came to be part of this coalition, and we can get into the discussion of the bond. Sure. Th- and thank you again. Um, like you said, this is a big bond, and it's been a bond in the making for quite some time. Um, you know, I think a lot of folks are definitely going to be seeing this for the first time, um, but there's been a lot of community input engagement around this particular bond item for the last two or three years. Uh, a little bit about myself. I'm helping out the Keep Austin Affordable Coalition, currently managing their campaign to get Proposition 8 passed. Um, similarly, Keep Austin Affordable has been around for a while. Uh, they came out of the loss in 2012 of a, an affordable housing bond. That year, the affordable housing bond was the only one to lose on the ballot. In response to that, some council members like Cheryl Cole and others stepped up with a lot of community leaders, specifically in the faith community and the affordable housing community, and said, we can't let this, we can't just let this loss sit. Mm -hmm. We got to go and try and take this back to the voters. They did in 2013. They got it passed. And that Keep Austin Affordable Coalition that successfully had that proposition passed in 2013 stuck together Mm -hmm. so that by the time a year ago there was talk about okay this bond proposition is actually going to go on the ballot in 2018 a lot of that framework was already there that we were able to kind of reignite and get going and just as a note too the bond that passed in 20 well the one that was rejected in 2012 was for 78.3 million dollars the one that came back in 2013 and passed was for 65 million dollars right at the time that was the largest uh most ever spent or bond ever passed on affordable housing in austin Right. Mm-hmm. So we're going correct. So we're going from sixty-five million to now two hundred fifty million, which is a big lift for the city. I'm definitely curious. I mean, I, I as I'm an Austinite, I support that. I support that. Um, but you're, you know, you know the electorate better, what better than I on these things, and just, just you know, why would an Austinite? Why should Austinites uh, support this? And and you're absolutely right. That that was the largest bond at its time. And this $250 million bond, if passed, will be the largest, not for the city of Austin, but in Texas and really kind of our part of the the world down here, you know. And uh, by the world, I mean Texas. Yeah. (laughs) And As we think of ourselves. Right. Those not from Texas. (laughs) Uh, But but the city has changed. So since 2012, you know, now coming into 2018, over the last six years, uh, I don't think you could... Find anyone on the street who would tell you that Austin has not become increasingly less affordable just in that last six-year period. Uh, there's all these studies and data figures that have been coming out, not only from UT, but other university and academic institutions and think tanks around the country saying what's happening in Austin is pretty remarkable in terms of its loss of affordability. Mm-hmm. Uh, we now know pretty easily that we are the most socioeconomically segregated community in the nation. Um, there's a lot of issues that drive at what has caused that. And one of them is, though, not all of it, but one of them is 
that we have not been able to effectively get into the marketplace of affordable housing and and really put our money where our mouth is, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of folks talk about creating affordable housing or trying to keep our seniors in our homes or making sure we you know, provide stable you know, households for the children at AISD. Um, but the fact of the matter is we haven't made that significant of an investment yet. Yeah. So in some ways we're catching up, right? And in a lot of ways, we're trying to get we're trying to get back ahead of this issue with this large amount. So that's when I tell people, you know, that two hundred fifty million dollars. Yes, it's a large number, uh, but the impact those smaller amounts had, right? That sixty something million dollar bond you mentioned back in two thousand thirteen. One of the numbers we always try to point out to people is that it had a seven to one leverage ratio, meaning for every one tax dollar out of that sixty something amount, we had seven private federal or state dollars that were able to match that. I was going to ask about that. Just Absolutely. what were the you know the anticipated um, matching funds with the, if this bond passes in full? I think at least seven to one. You know, that's one of the great things about having had these last two bonds is one, we have the receipts. We can go to folks and say, look, we know, you know, sure you might have some anxiety or trust issues with how the city's handling other issues, but when it comes to handling these affordable housing bond dollars, the city's done a great job, and the community partners who have been administering them, such as Meals on Wheels, or Habitat for Humanity, or Foundation Communities, they're doing a, an excellent job mm-hmm. of, of administering these funds. So, but that's one great thing about having those previous bonds. The second thing is, is we've set the bar pretty high, right? So we know that we can get this kind of leverage ratio out of these affordable housing bond dollars. So at least we don't want to slip below that seven to one. If anything, we want to try to do even more yeah. with this money. Gotcha. Can you break down for us just what is in the in Prop A? I know there's four four parts to it, mm-hmm. correct? Can you just go through those? And I, I have my screen too. If you need, to, if you need a refresher. <laughs> I can cheat, yeah. Oh, man, I've got them burned in I'm my sure, head I hope at this so point. at this point. Right. And so, I mean, what I usually try to do is just tell folks what the, what the cause is mm-hmm. that those different funds are going to. Because they have different titles, like rental housing development assistance. What is that? Well, that is one of the big four buckets that this money would go into. And what that is, is when you see a foundation community's apartment complex that's been built. And for those who are not familiar with foundation communities, what is foundation communities? So foundation communities is really, I think, one of our most beloved nonprofits we've got here in town. They not only provide affordable housing to residents in Austin, but they also provide a lot of financial counseling. They're really in the business of trying to help people. And their origin, they have a really great origin story. I recommend anyone looking up. You know, they started in central Austin, kind of near the UT campus. There's a bunch of folks who were there back in, you know, 30, 40 years ago kind of thing that were thinking these, this kind of institution up. And it has become an institution in the community because um, it provides all these services. But one of the services they provide is affordable housing. So if you're driving down South Lamar, you might see Blue Bonnet Studios. Blue Bonnet Studios and also Capital Studios, which is on 11th Street downtown, mm-hmm. are two great examples of when we were able to leverage affordable housing bond dollars from the previous bond to build and maintain an affordable housing complex, right? And so that's where, and not all of them are all just affordable housing residents. You might have market rate folks mixed in there as well. Um, but this is where we have a lot of folks that we're able to get in, stable, you know, stabilize, make sure they're, you know, they're taken care of, they're not you know, ending up on the street. Uh, there's also permanent supportive, permanent supportive housing facilities that have been built uh, with these bond dollars, and that's where we're helping folks who need just that extra bit of care. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one of those programs that the rental housing development assistance helps out with. Mm-hmm. On that note, and this ties into to prior just your point about the uh, economic disparity and the stark economic disparities in Austin. I don't think it's interesting the folks I've talked to anecdotally. I don't think they really see it, right? Like it's. It really is two Austins. I know the mayor yeah. talked about this a lot. I mean, it's come up in different, a lot of different ways in healthcare and everything else. Um, but we look at, you know, Austin has one of the lowest 
unemployment rates, uh, I think, in the country as a city, as a metro, than our, compared to our peers in other, mm-hmm. other cities. Yet, in a lot of those jobs, though, it's around the service industry. Right. And so it's tying in unaffordability uh, of housing here. It's not just... I mean, I think when folks think of it, they think of, you might think of the homeless or things like that, right? Or folks who don't have jobs. A lot of it is like the working, like working class jobs or service industry jobs that, that are downtown. You think of the wait staff, the, the kitchen staff, all these re- the restaurants, things going up in these buildings downtown. Or the construction yeah, workers. Cr- yes. And where, are they, and where are they living? And teachers, mm-hmm. policemen, <laughs> firemen, right? All these things. So it's, it's a wide spectrum of folks we're looking at. That I think when people think of, you know, affordable housing or subsidized housing, whatever you want to call it, wouldn't normally picture or think about that, but it's important to realize. I feel that it, it's a large school of folks that are serving the city that we need to be here, and we need them to not have to come an hour into the city. I, I mean, absolutely. 100%. I mean, not to take your point. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I mean, you're, you're hitting it on the head, and, and that's some of the you know one another one of the great things about having these previous bond packages that we have these receipts from is we have these amazing stories to tell. Um, we have stories of folks, you know, who were, you know, kind of who were helped off the street, put into a program like, at a, you know, at a, a, a nonprofit such as LifeWorks, which is another nonprofit member of this Keep Boston Affordable Coalition. They help specifically homeless youth or youth experiencing homelessness. And they have some amazing stories where folks, you know, might have escaped, you know, a, a dangerous home or unwelcoming home somewhere else in Texas, came to Austin. You know, we're supposed to be the city promising, you know, inclusiveness and diversity and come in, you know, no matter what you are, um, but was living on the street. Right. And so groups like LifeWorks are able to help those youth or folks who are, you know, who age out of the foster care system. Mm-hmm. And these affordable housing bond dollar programs help those folks out. And that, again, is folks don't see that. They don't know, which and I would say, too, is if, if 10 years from now we've done this bond and maybe we've done another one down the road or we continue to invest in this and people still say, I don't see it. Where is it? That might be a success. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we don't want to repeat the mistakes of the you know, mid 20th century. Where the, oh, that tower over there, that's where the poor people live. Yeah. One thing that the past bond packages have tried really hard to do is, you know, is to build and invest in programs um, that maintain a sense of community, right? That, that, you know, that have mixed incomes, right? That, that help not only lower income, but moderate income, moderate income folks as well. And you pointed out teachers. Um, one of the stories we like to tell is about a teacher in South Austin who she can no longer afford, you know, to really even rent in the community that she teaches in. Uh, and so Habitat for Humanity is now building her a home near her school, which is great. That's amazing, right? You can, we can quantify how much it costs for us to build that home. We can quantify, you know, you know, what difference that will make on her pocketbook at the end of the day. But the thing that we can't really quantify is the difference it makes for those children you know, to be educated by someone who knows the community they're in, yeah. that shops at the same store. Right? I mean, that's one of those you know, intangible benefits that, you know, that comes from these type of investments. You know, and another one too is you know with our seniors and the homes they live in, right? The another one of these four buckets is repairing uh, homes, and so that's veterans, that's that's folks who live with disabilities, that's seniors who might get priced out of their home. You know, folks are talking about all this great displacement that's occurring along the east side and in the eastern crescent, but then also in other parts of Austin. These home repair programs, in some cases, they're the only thing that may keep someone in their home. Is there real quick on that on the home repair sure. program? Is there is there one funnel through the city that that, that funding would go through, or um, so again? Or? One of the beautiful things about this bond program that the city's done a good job is we have all these local nonprofit partners. So, for example, Meals on Wheels they have a critical home repair program, and so they've got great stories. And for example, one of our local celebrities, uh, Mr. Richard Overton III, or I'm sorry, Richard Overton, yes, you know who is uh, you know the longest living World War II veteran. Uh, his home was repaired by Meals on Wheels. 
Um, and there's some great stories in there about how he, but for that investment, he might not have been able to stay in that home. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. You know, Mr. Overton has a lot of supporters and a lot of you know strong family that may you know he may not have been displaced as a result. But there's plenty of other stories where someone might have been displaced. Yeah. You know, but for these repairs. So gotcha. and then the other two buckets, you know, just to, to fill them in, you know, one is this, you know, acquisition development home ownership program. So that's the Habitat for Humanity I was talking about. Okay. Right. That's where, you know, we, we, we partner with a group like Habitat and they go build a home. Uh, someone who's making a lower moderate income then can then go into that program, get a loan, and they can have that pathway to equity, the home ownership, you know, that classic American dream there, which that's the teacher. Um, and then the fourth one, which is the brand new one. So we've done fixing homes for folks. We've done building homes through Habitat for Many, and we've done, you know, developing these apartment complexes for certain folks in town where they otherwise would never be able to live. But this new one we're doing is land acquisition. And that's a big chunk of money. It's $100 million. And that comes from the experience, I think, of this city council and also just best practices around the country looking at what other folks are doing. We, you know, we are not unique in Austin in that we have this huge hurdle in terms of providing affordable housing, which is the accelerating cost of land in the urban core. That's happening all over the country, right? It's just a phenomenon of what's what's going on right now in America. And one thing that is preventing a lot of affordable housing builders from going and building these these kind of communities is the cost of land. So this is where we would be able to go in and do, you know, would be able to help partner in developing a, an apartment complex, a, a, you know, single family homes or more dense communities or whatever it may be. And we would be able to use that money to buy down the cost of land. Mm-hmm. And that would create some immediate opportunities. Like I always point to the Grove, right? You know, you know about four, four or five years ago, we didn't have that money to be able to go in and buy some of that land. Maybe we would have bought part of it. Maybe we would have bought all of it. Maybe, you know, whatever it may have been. Quick refresher on this would be sure. painful for me to do a refresher on the Grove. What, where is the Grove for those who aren't familiar with that? So the Grove is situated in one of our highest opportunity neighborhoods in Austin. Now, I know there's a lot of folks who live there and live there for you know, a couple of generations who don't feel like they live in the high start, but it, it just by the numbers, that is an area that has access and high opportunity means access to health care, access to good, you know, you know, good education, mm-hmm. um, act, you know, situated amongst a lot of things that make it a higher opportunity area. And you know, there's all the studies that show that, that that impacts a child's life a lot. And that was a bit of public land that the states that was sitting on that was over there on the west side of town that was available for purchase. The city didn't have the money to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And I use it as an example, not to hearken up any nightmares for folks who worked on that it case. Was, this is back when it was a contested uh, matter for um, a few cycles. It, yeah, so. it, was, it was very contested. But I, I try to bring that up because I think folks on both sides of that argument, right, you know, who were, you know, who were either for the zoning change or against the zoning change, I think both sides would agree that had the city had a little bit more money, they might have been able to step in and do some real good mm-hmm. in terms of building even more affordable housing. Uh, but that's just one example. You know, there's going to be more land that the state is putting onto the books eventually, and there's going to be increased opportunities for us to go in and strategically buy land and maybe put it into a community land trust. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one thing that different cities and and, and think tanks around the country are saying is is a, is a real big, um, you know, real big benefit to cities when they when they do these community land trusts. Yeah, you know, so the hundred million dollars. And I say this kind of tongue in cheek because you know, in, in regarding the land in Austin, hundred million dollars can get you a certain amount of ways, right? right? So, but you know, it, which is still a lot of money. Does this would it be contemplated if you know um, using this funding as a, a bridge fund, right? So similar, you know, the state has economic development programs like a deal closing programs, right? So if it's a developer that wants to come in and partner with the city, and I know there are developers that work specifically on affordable housing projects. 
um, the city going to come as a partner, you know, with, with this with this initial funding? I mean, basically, is this funding this hundred million dollars? Would you contemplate, if you know, um, being a seed fund that could potentially, you know, just go into the projects too, right? Because I could see that going into one project, honestly. It, if it, it, it could, but the other thing it could do as well is, is you know, the city could go buy land mm-hmm. and the city could build affordable housing on that land. Yes. Right, I mean, that's, you know, they could be, you know, public housing. Um, so that is one option. And I, I feel confident that the city would be able to, no matter what pathway the city took and how to use that land acquisition dollars, because they've had, they've successfully administered these past two affordable housing bonds, it's by partnering with these local nonprofits, mm-hmm. I imagine they will use similar techniques in trying to get the most out of that money. And so I would not be surprised if they're partnering with local nonprofits very or other groups, you know, to try to get the most out of those dollars. Yeah, very good. Now, I'm just curious about that. Um, I think we've covered all four. Yeah, right? and, it, and that, yeah, and they do. Each of them have numbers, but again, what I always try to tell folks is, is that it is two hundred fifty million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, it alone, Proposition A, will not increase your taxes. Um, just as a result of our tax base growth, I'm sure a lot of people are gonna, we're asking about. Yeah, yeah, everyone. What is the what's the impact on my taxes? Uh, now, the whole bond package, which includes parks, pools, roads, you know, drainage, all this other kind of very important stuff, which I encourage folks to vote for the entire bond package. Um, that would, if it is all passed, have about a five dollar month impact on the average homeowner's bill. Mm-hmm. So, for five dollars, uh, you're going to be able to in- greatly increase, you know, the size, you know, the size of our park system and the maintenance of it. We'll be able to address some of the really life-saving drainage issues that we have here around the city. That's as a result of our growth and other, you know, things, you know, historic, you know, not, you know, not great investments in yeah. terms of we haven't been able to put up that much money for a lot of these things. Um, but then you'll also get this historic affordable housing bond out of it as well. So it's it's the whole bond package is great, but Proposition A alone doesn't raise your taxes, and you know it's it's a trusted program that's been able to leverage a heck of a lot. Mm-hmm. And like going when you're in the I'm sorry in the ballot booth, Proposition A it's one, it's all these in one. There's no slight you know you're not voting right. kids book for the land acquisition or another arrest of them. It's all all in. Right, and you'll see each you'll see rental housing development assistance. Which, mm-hmm. What does that mean? That means we're going to go you know we're going to build affordable housing in parts of town where otherwise those service industry folks, those seniors, those veterans otherwise would not be able to live. We're going to go build that land. Gotcha. So they can they can rent there. You know, when you see the acquisition development homeownership, what is that? That is Habitat for Humanity building homes for folks that they can then purchase and build that equity and build that you know that you know continue up that ladder, you know, towards middle income and more stable, you know, households. Okay. Well, John, thank you for your time and totally. good luck as we uh, hit come down the wire to election day. Yeah, and, and uh, we've been saying all around town, you might see your signs, but yay for Prop A. Yay that's, for that's Prop A. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you for listening to today's BG podcast. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com podcast and iTunes and Google Play. Subscribe to stay current on future posts. Thank you to our sponsor, The Lowy Law Firm. You can find more information about them in the show notes.